1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be in the household of God. We can come and sit under your word. Thank you that we have your word to read in our quiet times, to encourage us, but also to challenge us and to remind us of these truths and of your word. And help us, Father, as we come now to listen to the sermon. Help me to be clear and help us to listen. Help us to allow your word to, to transform us more into Christ-likeness. Help, help us, Father. Thank you that we have your spirit that lives in us and that sanctifies us and cleanses us as we read the scriptures. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your, your good work that you do in our hearts when we read your word. But have mercy upon us now, Father. Help us to Hear and listen and apply what is said. Thank you for this wonderful passage, Father. We thank you that all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable to help us to love and grow in our love for one another. Have mercy upon us now, Father. Thank you again for Jesus. Thank you that you demonstrated your love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, Father, thank you that we can love because you loved us first. Thank you, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting, or if you haven't heard me ask this question, see if you can answer it. Those that know the answer, don't answer it. The word beloved, love, loves, and loved in verses 7 to 21. How many times is it mentioned? The word added together, beloved, love, loves, and loved. And from verses 7 to 21, how many times do you think it's mentioned in total? Anybody want to take a guess if you haven't heard me ask that question before? Otherwise, Russell's smiling. I think he wants to answer. Okay, Russell, give it to us. 29 times. That's amazing. Eh? God's trying to tell us something. And it was at Home Fellowship Group the other evening when I asked the question, what was one sentence that Jesus gave to his disciples before he left? And it was, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
It's amazing that in the book of Revelation, the first church that receives the letter, the church of Ephesus, lost their first love. Then the last letter to the book of Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, and if you don't turn back, I'm going to spit you out. And it's so easy for us to lose our love for God and for one another when we are not reminded of it. We take things for granted, and I think we take God's love for granted. God has not just poured his love into our hearts for us to love him and love one another. It's also to give us the knowledge of his love for us so we can know him better. And this morning I want to continue in this series. We've looked at verses 7 to 11 and we looked at God's love in God's Son. That's our motivation to love. Not telling people you must love because Scripture tells us so. Look to the cross. There Jesus came in incarnation. There he died as the propitiation to take away the sins of the world. John points us to the gospel and that's so important that we point people to the cross to the gospel. Now we're going to continue to look at God's love in God's children. So we've looked at verses 7 to 11 to motivate us. We've looked at already one truth from verses 12 to 21, which I'll recap shortly. But we're looking at God's love in God's children. And it's so important that we have a right understanding and a right view of God's love. I've been asking the question, this is the fourth time I asked the question, and hopefully we will answer it differently now. As a Christian, when we think of God's love, what comes to our mind? And hopefully it's not romantic love, hopefully it's not an emotional love, hopefully it's not a big teddy bear love, hopefully it's not a fuzzy warm love, and hopefully it's not a friendship love. Hopefully it's now a sacrificial love. It's an active, it's a, it's a verb, it's agape, and it's, and it's active. It's not just God saying, I love you guys, and there he pulled back and left us. He demonstrated his love towards us, and it was an act of self-sacrifice. And the same is now for us to have a love that is an act of self-sacrifice. John has already warned us in his, in his letter that if... Um, but this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. Who's he there? That's Jesus. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Sacrificial love. Not dying for people. You might have to do that. But he's talking about, oh, we sacrificially loving people. Or we just loving people in our comfort zone. God has loved us. And that love was sacrificially demonstrated on the cross. That's why it's so important for us to have Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper so we can remind it of the cross and it should humble us and, and give us a reality check to see what are we doing with some of the spiritual gifts that God has given us and the fruits of the Spirit. God has commanded us to love one another and it's not about patting people on the back and saying, go well, I'll pray for you. We've already been warned in this letter that if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How can we actually call ourselves Christians if we 
Don't show love to people around us, especially our brothers and sisters. This is the context of this passage. John's encouraging the people in the church to love one another because there were people in the church that were saying, we don't have to change, we don't have to love, we don't have to walk in truth, in light, we can just carry on living as we please. Even if we sin, it doesn't matter because he, he warns us. Says there, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. If we say if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I think this is one of the hardest parts of being a Christian is to practice love. And this is loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. What about loving your neighbour as yourself? Loving the stranger? Loving the enemy, loving the unlovely, loving people that rub you up the wrong way, that irritate you. God's love is action. And we've looked at, like I said, we've already looked at God's love in God's Son, and that's the reason why we can be in a loving relationship with God. And now we want to continue to look at God's love in God's children. I'm not saying that we must have perfect love. Jesus is the only man, son of man, son of God, that had perfect love. We will fail to love. And I'm not saying because you fail to love, you're not a Christian. But I'm saying this, if you practice not loving someone, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You've got to examine your heart. And if you're always turning your back on people who you know is in need, and you keep patting them on the back and saying, I'll pray for you, you need to examine your heart. Because when Christ pours his love into your heart, he pours it in so you can love the person, not just say, I love you. It's an action. The fact that God has given us his love is, is there to help us love. And this is not my standard. This is God's standard. He has called us. Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is a high calling. And yet we fall far short. And we fail. But we can thank God for forgiveness. But like I said, if you practice such a thing, you need to examine your heart. Let's just recap on our first truth that is there to encourage us to embrace God's love. This is what I'm trying to encourage us over the last four Sundays, is to embrace God's love and not just have it in our heads, but also have it in our hands. It's got to move from our heads and our heart into our hands and, and come alive. And the second, that first truth to encourage us is loving one another shows that God lives in us. That's what love tells the world. That God is true, God is real, and God lives in us. This is what verses 11 to 16 of 1 John chapter 4 is talking about. These verses are telling us that if we love one another, it shows that God lives in us, and therefore God's love has to be active. Verse 12, no one has seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, He dwells in us, He lives in us, and His love is perfected in us. It matures, it grows. Our love cannot mature, grow, by just reading God's word, learning about his love, and that's where it stops. The only way we grow and mature as a Christian is when we put what we know into practice, and we start practicing it, and we start realizing this is something really hard. God, I need your grace every day and your mercy to help me. 
This is hard. And if we just have to look to Jesus and we see Jesus, how He loved and how He showed God to us through how He loved. He came and made Him known through loving and caring for people and showing compassion. It wasn't just lip service compassion. It was real compassion worked out through His hands. And He was pointing people to God through Him. Because God is invisible, Paul writes, to the kin of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul writes this to, one, to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. No one can see God in his essence and nature. And so Jesus came and made God known through his loving character. And so he has poured his love into us so that we can show the people that God is real, God is true, God lives in me. Look, because I love. Not because I talk about love. This is how God reveals himself to the world, through our relationship with one another, how we love one another, how we care for one another. The lost world cannot see God, but they can see God's love in us when it's worked out. Someone said the church is the world's window to God. What does the world see in our church if they look through it? I mean, not only the church when we come together, but individually we the church when we go out there, in our workplace, in the streets, in the marketplace, in the malls. Do they see God's love? And we can achieve this. Because verse 13 tells us, by this we know we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. We need help. God knows that. So he's given us His Spirit. He's given us His Word. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to grow. But it grows when we put it into practice. And the disciples say or john says in verse 14 and we we have seen and testified that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world they they witnessed jesus's love they saw jesus jesus spoke and he acted on what he spoke he was a man of truth he was the son of man the son of god and and the holy spirit also helps us to, to witness Jesus into the lives of people so they can see that He is the Savior of the world. If you go back to verse 9 of 1 John chapter 4, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Who's Him? Jesus, the Savior of the world. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He's the saviour of the world. The Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Look how he loved. Are you loving like him? And of course, we want to point people to Jesus because verse 14 says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son. Sorry, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. When you believe and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Holy Spirit, indwells us. He pours us his love into our hearts and he indwells us. 
And when we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and according to verse 16 of 1 John chapter 4, we'll know and believe the love of God that has for us. God is love and ever abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in Him. And like someone said, where there is true faith that rests on Christ alone for salvation, love will and must be present, for God is love. So loving one another shows that God lives in us, and His love is not just in our head, but it must be in our hands, and it must get worked out if God is living in us. There will be a time when we can't, there will be a time when we're going to sit down and just pray for someone. There will be a time when we will pat someone on the back and say, go well. But there are lots more, lot more times when we actually should actively get involved in people's lives in the church. I'm talking about loving brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what the letter is talking about. The context is loving your brother and sister. It's like Jesus came and loved his disciples and loved his people. And then he went beyond that. He loved the Gentiles. Well, let's look at our second truth to encourage us to embrace God's love. And not just have it in our heads, but also have it in our hands. And that second truth is loving one another gives us confidence on the day of judgment. Which we're going to see worked out in verses 17 to 21 of 1 John chapter 4. How can I have confidence on the Day of Judgment? Well, we're going to look at that question in a deeper way. But the question I need to ask us, does the church believe that there's going to be a Day of Judgment? Or is the church just carrying on like there's no tomorrow? The Day of Judgment can happen tomorrow, it can happen in a thousand years, it can happen in ten thousand years. But there is going to be a Day of Judgment. Scripture tells us, Hebrews 9.27, as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And as Christians, we should not fear the day of judgment. Why? Because Jesus has suffered his judgment for us on the cross. Scripture says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those verses that I've just read should give us confidence, to have confidence on the day of judgment. When God's wrath is going to be poured out on the unbeliever. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. Again, this is what God's Word says. If a pastor doesn't tell his congregation that there is a day of judgment, then he's not loving the congregation. If he doesn't tell someone he's destined to die once and after face judgment, he's not loving the congregation. People need to know there's two places you can go. One is hell and one is heaven. And we have the ways and means to point the people from hell to heaven. So that they can face Judgment Day with confidence when they believe and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how do we have confidence on the Day of Judgment? How do we walk 
and live and work towards this. Well, again, we have to go back to verse 13 of 1 John chapter 4. The answer is remarkable. It says there, by this is love, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. This verse has so much to tell us. If we are loving and caring for people, loving our brothers and sisters, meeting their needs, this love is perfected in us. It's matured. It's growing. It's, it's making itself complete. It's being expressed. And then we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, as Jesus is, so are we like Him in the world. He came as the righteous man, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And He came and loved. And He's given us, or His righteousness has been imputed to us, so we can walk and practice righteousness in this world. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. What John is really saying in verse 17 is that salvation always shows itself in a godly lifestyle, in a transformed lifestyle. If you know the Bible off by heart, you can quote verses and you know where to turn to in the Bible, but you have not love. It's a big noise, it's a waste. letter actually gets interesting when we get to chapter 5 he's also talking about obedience to the command John is a very wise man because these people that are not in church they say they love God and they love people but they disobey God's command so how can God be in them we look at chapter 5 it opens up it just makes you think I tell you something, and I'm really concerned for the church. That when before God saved me back in '97, I thought everybody was a Christian. I thought everybody goes to heaven. Many roads lead to heaven. Then I came a Christian, and I see, well, there's only one road that leads to heaven, and it's the narrow road. And it's I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's only through Jesus. But I think the church is still living like everybody goes to heaven. Believe what you want to believe. What is true for you is true for me. It's no different back in 97 as it is now, 2022. I'll be honest with you, back in 97, I hardly saw any Christians. I didn't even know who was a Christian because I didn't see anybody loving. Because love is harder than what we actually make it out to be. And our love needs to be perfected. It can only grow and mature when it is worked out and we get dirty with people. John is adamant that likeness to Jesus is the evidence of, is the evidence that godly, God truly indwells us and that we truly believe in Jesus. The more we grow to be like Jesus, the more God's love is perfected in our lives. And the perfecting of love brings confidence for the day of judgment. Because we're doing what God has called us to do. And we have confidence when He comes. We're not going to run away and shy away from Him. Not going to be embarrassed. 
or hide. Because His glory is going to just cut so deep into us. His light is going to burn into us. And, 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 and if we're not called and doing what God has called us to do, we're in trouble. God has called us to love Him and love our neighbor as ourselves. He's called us to love one another. He's called us to be active like Jesus was active. Jesus was out there loving, caring, healing, providing, meeting people's needs. Now we don't all have to go out there and be like Jesus and try to heal and do miracles. That's not what God has called us to do. He's called us just to love one another, being simple, meeting needs, praying for someone. Yes, I can help you. Let's go down to the shop and buy a loaf of bread. And where does God's love take place? Well, it takes place in church fellowship. It takes place in the church. And this is where God's love is shaped and molded because we're helping each other to love. And the world will know and see that we are His disciples if they see us loving one another. I repeat, if we're evangelizing someone, and we always walk away and say, how can they not believe? We know God of this age blinded to their mind, and we know of God saves. But if you walk away and, they keep, and you keep saying to your wife or to your friend, I share the truth of them most days, but they don't believe. Why can't they believe? It's so simple. Well, if they don't see you loving your brother in Christ, why should they believe you? Why should they even believe that God sent His Son if they don't see you loving? The more this world sees us loving, maybe they'll wake up to the truth we have. We are a testimony. We are a witness. We are ambassadors for Christ. And if we are loving and we are meeting people's needs, we need not fear. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It's amazing. Fear is mentioned three times. Fear, fear, fear. John is trying to tell us something. He's saying, Christians, you're not... You don't need to fear if you are loving one another. Because perfect love has cast out fear. We don't need to fear when Jesus returns. Because he's, He loved us. And His love casts out fear. And I'm not talking about Talking about fear on Judgment Day. Because we all fear heights, snakes, spiders, the dark. We have fears. I'm not talking about those fears. We can all approach Judgment Day boldly and with confidence because we are doing what God has called us to do. Because the fear we're talking about here has to do with punishment on the Day of Judgment. And we, if we're not loving, then we are going to be punished. God's love in us casts out fear. 
fear of eternal punishment. And if we're sitting here this morning and there is some fear in our hearts, great, the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something. Cry to God, repent. Examine your heart to see if Christ is in your heart. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying if you fail to love someone, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, and I'm not saying you better fear judgment. I'm talking to you if you actually don't love and you call yourself a Christian. That you show no love towards anyone in a sacrificial, active way. We need to go back to Matthew chapter 7 and realize we are on a hard, narrow road. Church is very much on a broad road. We are on a narrow road and we come to church because we need to encourage one another and we need to encourage each other to keep running that race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because once we take our eyes off Him, everything else just goes with it. Even our first love will go with it. What amazes me is that before I was saved, I was unworthy of God's love. And he saved me. There was nothing in me that was worthy of his love. And he poured out his love into my heart and he saved me. The same is for us. No one here is worthy of God's love. No one can say anything about God's love. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And you should say, why, O Lord, such love to me? Who should fear the day of judgment? Those that are not loving. How do we know we're not loving? Well, verse 21, John chapter 4, 4 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. There it is. John is writing with so much wisdom. Because a lot of people, they say they, they love God, but they talk and criticize, they talk negatively about other Christians. There's more talk about loving God, and we express this in our emotion, in our singing and everything, but we are so critical about other Christians. So ready to jump to negative conclusions about people. And this lovelessness just contradicts what we profess. And it disobeys God's commands. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Folks, this is what John is telling us. This is what the Holy Spirit is telling us. This is what God is telling us. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Such a beautiful letter because it shouldn't make us feel guilty. It, shouldn't, it, should, it should stir us up to cry out in repentance. Lord, please have mercy upon me, the sinner, and help me to love according to your word. Your standard, not my standard. These are beautiful warnings for us to cry out in repentance because that's what the, the seven letters to the churches is all about. 
I know this, I know this, but if you do this, and all about repenting, then you will have eternal life in that sense. We've got to do something. We can't just look at the verses and say, I feel guilty now because, sure, am I really loving? Do something about it. Repent. Ask God for wisdom every day that you can now love. Because it carries on. Verse 21, And this commandment we have from Him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We are commanded to love. And whoever says they love God, they love Jesus, they love God, full stop, must then show it in loving their brother. Like I said last week, John is the author of John's Gospel. And he is probably taking John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Imagine if Jesus just stopped there. But this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But what have I left out? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Look to Jesus. John, in, one, in his first letter, is actually preaching or writing from verses 34 to 35. And he's fleshing it out. Look, I have loved you, Jesus says. How have I loved you? I came in the incarnation. The Son of God, I came in the flesh. I went to the cross. I was the propitiation for our sins. There I shed my blood for forgiveness of sins. I came as the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses in my name that Jesus is the Son of God, then God's love will abide in you and God will abide in you. But how do we show that? What do we do? Well, we start loving one another and that shows that God abides in us. If we fail to love one another, we make Jesus and his gospel not true in the eyes of the world. And put a huge question mark over our Christian profession. That's why the world has has all the reason not to believe what we want to tell them. Because if they're not seeing us love one another, how how do they know we are his disciples? Whose disciples are we? Are we any different to, to other worldviews out there? Our God is a personal God and He's given us His love. He's poured out His love into our hearts and, 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 and He has given us His Spirit to help us. Hopefully these two truths, truths, loving one another shows that God lives in us and loving one another gives us confidence on the Day of Judgment these two truths that we looked at from 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 to 21, hopefully they will encourage us to embrace God's love and not just have it in our head, but have it in our hands now and work it out to each other and around each other. Hopefully we'll be challenged and that we will be encouraged. That also when we guard this building, we will also love other brothers and sisters that are in other churches maybe struggling and need our help. But it's amazing that God's love starts in the family. 
in the church. If we can't do it here, how are we going to do it out there? How are we going to do it to the stranger, to the enemy, to the unlovely? These are hard truths. And these are truths that we need to help each other with. We need God's grace and we need each other to encourage each other. Let us hold fast the gospel of Christ. Let us show the world, not through words, but through deeds and truth, that we serve a great God. We can sing great songs, but let our lives also show great God, a great God who we worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is there to encourage us, it's there to help us to remain on the narrow road. It's there to help us to remain faithful. It's there to help us to, to run our race with endurance faithfully. So Father, forgive us when we do sin. Forgive us when we don't love our brother and sister in Christ as we are called to according to 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 to 12, 21. Please Father, forgive us and help us. We need your wisdom, we need your, your word in our hearts to, to govern our lives, to govern our love. Thank you that we love because you first loved us. And help us now, Father, to show the world your love, and that you are real and true, and that you live in us, and you love us in how we love others around us. God is love, and we are without excuse. Because if we are loving one another, it shows He lives in us and His love is in us as well. And we do not have to fear judgment day. There will be no punishment. Father, please forgive us and help us. Please be merciful to us. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need to be in the Scriptures so we can be taught these truths. The word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May it become a light. Have mercy upon us, Father. Thank you that you are a loving, caring, compassionate Father. Thank you that you are a God of forgiveness. Forgive us, Father. Be merciful to us. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.